Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Die Podcast, the CFML News Edition, July 14th, 2020. And Brad Wood, nice to have you join us this week. It's the Gavin and Brad show. Yep. So expect this to go twice as long as normal, but you'll have twice as much fun, right? <laughs> twice as long as normal. But hey, if we talk twice as fast, it's like four times the content. Well, that is possible. I do speak fast <laughs> sometimes. <Possible. laughs> well, first, we- let's thank our sponsors, Order Solutions. So uh, without them, this podcast would not happen. Um, so... Basically, one of the ways you can support Autis for or thanking them is to take some of our live workshops. We have two live workshops this month. One of them I uh, just completed last week, Coldbox Zero to Hero on July 9th and 10th. It went great. We had a group, a really good group, and we had a lot of fun, and we made some good progress. And so we're happy to, to have that finished. But in two weeks' time, or I guess not this week, next week, Luis is doing the Coldbox Hero to Superhero API Edition. So uh, that's July 23rd and 24th. There's still time to register. And CFCast is now, uh, subscriptions are now available on CFCast.com. And the Coldbox Masterclass videos are all recorded and scheduled to be released. We had a lot of good content released in the last week. So more and more free and paid content coming to CFCast all the time. And don't we have like a million people already signed up for CFCast? Is that the right number? Uh, I think it's a little lower than that, but yeah, there's been some uh, good uptake. We've got quite a few subscriptions that's, that's already. That's the goal. It's the target. You have to think ahead, Gavin. Yep. I like Put it the out there. positivity. But yeah, it's, it's going well. We're getting more and more content. We're having lots of content meetings, discussing with people what they want, and we're, we've got a lot of stuff planned. And so you'll be getting new content every week, some, new, uh, some free and some paid. So we also want to thank our Patreon supporters because they're uh, covering almost almost 50% of this co- uh, podcast now um, with the funding from Patreon. So thank you to, to all of those who are supporting us and maybe you may want to become a Patreon supporter too. But we want to thank our newest supporter, John, oh, sorry, not John, Jeff McCain. Thanks. So. You, you said it wrong. It's the Jedi mind trick. It's you want to become a Patreon supporter. Okay, I'll leave it. Everyone at home's like, I want to become a Patreon supporter, and they immediately sign up. Yep, at patreon.com slash order solutions. So, okay, let's get on to the real news. Get on to the real news. So today, Adobe released something pretty important. You want to tell us patch about day. that? Patch day. Needs to be a little sound effect for, for patch day. So yeah, it's patch Tuesday, and uh, Adobe has a whole collection of Adobe products that have some patches, and one of them is Cold Fusion. So if you're on Cold Fusion 2016 or 2018, there is now, um, let's see, what are the patch numbers? Uh, so there's now uh, update 10 for 2018 and now update 16 for 2016. Uh, so we're working on getting those onto ForgeBox for you command box users. Um, but the uh, the vulnerability is some kind of DLL search order search order hijacking privilege escalation. I don't know what that really means. I mean, they all, they always sound scary. From what I've seen, supposedly there's no known exploits of it. And so we don't expect there to be um, any attacks based on it, but obviously we don't want to 
take chances when it comes to security. So um, Adobe also recommends using the latest uh, version of Java as well. So when you're up there applying these updates to your server, make sure you update your Java at the same time. Of course, pretty much every version of Java has some security things, it seems. So you got to keep them both up to date. Yep. Uh, and so good information here on the Adobe blog. Uh, we also have the, you know, the tick notes as well. And Charlie right now is working on a blog post uh, to be released to give us a little more detail about some of the extras, like the Docker images uh, have been updated already uh, and a few other mm. things. So he sent me a message saying he's working on it. Um, so the, the blog post should be received uh, shortly. So. Um, it's also worth noting that the Adobe updates aren't just the security fixes. I know people get a little frustrated when Adobe packages non-security things with security, um, but there are a small handful of bug fixes. There's a little bit longer list for 2018, a little bit shorter list for 2016, but they're on the tech notes that are linked to that. So make sure you keep that in mind about um, some of the other changes. Also, um, Scott asked about latest update of the version or like Java 14. They, they uh, recommended the latest LTS release. So Java 11, I believe, is still the latest long-term support uh, version of Java. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm using Java 14 locally just for testing, but if, if this is for production and you want to be in a long-term support release, I think that's still going to be Java 11 right now. Okay. And then another thing too, is, uh, Charlie said, if you read the tech note for the update, not the security bulletin, you'll see a new, um, admonition to delete any car files. Admonition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I can't read you but, and your uh, fancy words, Charlie. Yeah. It means you better do this is what it means. Yeah. So the car mechanism, um, mechanism of feature to export admin settings from one server to another. Um, and so he's going to write up something on that. Um, but yeah, so basically yeah, I, I saw read that the, the tech note, note and the bulletin security and the blog post, just to make sure you got everything covered. I'm assuming the problem would be that if you created a car file and it somehow got left around a directory that was web accessible, maybe someone could access it. Um, Cause I know that like, you know, passwords and things are inside of the car. But yeah, I saw that in the tech note and I was kind of curious um, either way. It's probably just a good, you know, practice, but. Okay. So it basically said you should delete the car files once used. Yep. Yep. Sounds good. There we go. Charlie's in the chat, giving us all the right info. Cool. He, doesn't even need to, he doesn't even need to type the blog post now. He's got it all in the chat. Copy mm -hmm. and paste the chat. You're done. <laughs> yep. So the next thing as well, um, so CFCast content update. So we had some free content updated, as we mentioned earlier. So we've added the entire What's New in Command Box 5 series, so that big series where you have 10 videos released on that. So that is all free content now available on CFCast. And for the subscription content, we also have added um, so a few more videos in the Coldbox Masterclass. So data model, uh, oh, sorry, model data binding and validation, and then putting it all together. Um, so those are being released. And as I mentioned earlier too, all the Coldbox Masterclass videos are now recorded, edited, and scheduled for release. So they'll be released over the next couple of weeks. So those of you who are waiting for the class to be completed before you registered, now you have no excuse. So... Uh, go register that and um, and then we'll uh, be releasing lots more. And we have a, a few other series that we're working on as well. So you'll start seeing those trickled out as well. So lots of great content coming to CFCast. Yeah, you guys are going to want to keep an eye on CFCast and get signed up for that sucker because we are not only going through just shoving a bunch of existing content in there, um, a lot of it is free, like the, like the What's in the New Command Box series, 
but we've been having meetings. We're putting together boards of all the, the fresh new content that we're going to be putting into CFCast. So we're going to load this baby up with all sorts of, uh, of premium content. So you're going to want to make sure you get signed up. Um, yep. It's just going to be a real portal of learning. Yeah, and if you click on the browse button here, you can actually see what videos are being released and when. So you can see the these two here from the Callbox Masterclass released five mm -hmm. days ago. And then all these command box ones released five days ago as well. So you'll see that they have free for the free ones and obviously the other ones if you click to it. You have to log I really love how, how fast the CFCast site is. And if you didn't notice it, we talked about it in the previous week, but there's a blog post out that covers all the technology that um, that Eric Peterson and the team used when they made the CFCast site. Um, and it's a really fantastic example of a modern um, CFML-based application. So make sure you check that out if you're, if you're looking at it and wondering how we built it. And I yeah. say we is like a royal we because I had nothing to do with building it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. So, okay. Well, next up, uh, we just wanted to remind you that um, Cold Fusion Meetup is going strong. And in case you missed it, last week, uh, Dan Wilson did his uh, your best option to build modern front ends with JavaScript. And that, uh, that I think the title actually got changed on that last minute to, to be your best options to build modern front ends with JavaScript with Dan Wilson. And the recording's available online already. And uh, the, the cool thing about this is that this is episode, or I guess video, 262. So Charlie has a lot of great content out there. Um, so basically the recording is up there on the YouTube channel. Um, and then we have two more scheduled for the upcoming week. So we have um, TJ Van Toll talking about how native mobile development changed the way I write web apps. And I think that's the one that changed the name actually. Um, yeah, he changed it to what web developers can learn from native mobile developers. So um, the title changed on that one, but it's still going to be uh, this Thursday, July 16th. Uh, and that will be 12 p.m. Eastern time. And so that's going to be a nice session. And then uh, in the native script type theme, we actually have next week, July 23rd. This will be 6 p.m. Eastern, so later. Um, but that's going to be intro to native script with Alex Ziskin. So it looks like we got a couple, couple of nice topics there, and it seems like um, um, basically Charlie's keeping a couple of weeks scheduled out at a time. So we got lots of good content coming out uh, our way with that. So thank you, Charlie, for the hard work you do. Yep, and there's the link for I believe the one this week. Yeah, July sixteenth. Cool. And if that's not enough webinars to keep you busy, uh, Adobe has some too. So we have a uh, July twenty third. We have. Uh, Kailash Bahani talking about uh, understanding the what, when, and how of API architecture and its various components. API manager architecture, make sure I got that in there. And then the next week, July 30th, Adobe's doing a bird's eye view of the PMT architecture and how to harness its true potentials with Nimit Sharma. So two really good uh, sessions, giving you a little more detail and you know sort of diving in deeper to, to how the, the PMTs, which is performance monitoring tools, and the API manager both work. So we got a, a lot of good content coming out. So keep you busy in case you guys aren't doing anything over summer. <laughs> cool. The next up, uh, we have a Docker developer survey that came through the mail today. Uh, and we were talking about it in this uh, box team Slack channel. But um, yeah. so they have a 2020 developer survey. They want to find out more about us or you, uh, your background, and how you're using Docker and your, you know, what are you using it for? 
Uh, so they, they want you to fill it out. They say it takes less than 10 minutes to fill it out. And the good thing is, is that, um, if you want to keep swarm alive, uh, we want you to, you know, basically go give some swarm love because <laughs> everyone's keeps getting on the Kubernetes bus, but the oldest loves swarm. I love swarm. Uh, a lot of our she customers do. are using it. Um, and we think it doesn't need to go Kubernetes crazy on, on configuration. <laughs> so, um, yeah, please fill that out. And if you love swarm or if you, if you just love us, uh, say that you love Swarm so they can keep <laughs> Do it, it for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the survey takes less than 10 minutes, just about three or four pages. Most of them are, are kind of multiple choice. Um, and basically every, every opportunity I had to click other and type in text, I'm like Swarm. We love Swarm. Also, Cold Fusion is awesome. Did I mention Command Box? <laughs> and one of the questions is, you know, what, what's one of your favorite Docker images that you don't think people know about? I'm like, order solution slash Command Box. So... Hopefully we get a handful full of people all uh, filling out, as Luis says, the more swarm cowbell. Um, yep. we'll let, it, let the people at Docker know. I don't know who the guy is who made the survey, but one of the questions, the, the next to the last question, the penultimate question is him holding his dog and it says, guess how much my dog weighs in kilograms. So I, I had to go to Google. <laughs> I had to go to Google and convert pounds to kilograms because I don't know what those crazy kilos are, but <laughs> I, I guess 50 pounds. It was like, you know, 22.6 or something kilos. Are you right? You never know. I don't I mean, I, I don't think I'll ever have a way to know if I was right. Cause it's not like <laughs> you put in your information so you can get contacted from the survey, but I, I think he was just having some fun with it. So yeah. And speaking of surveys, survey. the state of the CF union survey is still available. Um, we're, we're still waiting for an update on the April partial results. So hopefully they'll get some um, July results here <clears> soon and give us more. Cause if they had 484 after a few months, we're hoping that it was like a million by now. So, so uh, I did contact Tech to give us, to see if they'll give us an update on that. And I haven't received this response yet, but uh, hopefully we can get a, an update on that. So that's pretty good. That 486 respondents responses. I don't remember what it was last week. I don't, so I don't know if it's gone up at all. Um, I think it was 484. So maybe this is keeping go. track of them. So, okay. Sure. Maybe they are just updating as they go. So two people that did it last week. Thank you. Uh, we need a few more. <laughs> so vote early and often. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about our conferences. Mm, yeah. So into the boxes, continuing <laughs> through our live workshops. And last week I taught the call box zero to hero class. Uh, that workshop was uh, on Thursday or Friday last week. It was a great group. Nice. Um, we had How fun. How many people did you have? We just had a, a small group, about four or five. So um, last time That's we had uh, yeah, a, a bigger group, but it was kind of nice that we could uh, you know, each share our screen and sort of show examples because normally we, we do that in, inside. You know, we'll, we'll talk about more stuff, but when you have a bigger group, it, you lose some of that. So it was nice. Yeah, and that's um, one of the nice things about our orders trainings is we specifically try to keep a really small group um, you know, some of the other, like the, the Adobe conferences, they'll have 150 people in a workshop and you basically don't get any one-on-one -on -one help. And so our Ortis workshops are always usually a max of like 10 people. And so it's all one-on-one -on -one. here, share your screen. We'll talk through what you're doing. Um, kind of guaranteed you won't get left behind. Yep, exactly. And so that was a, a good session. Um, and next week, Luis is going to be doing the call box here to superhero API edition on July right. 23rd and 24th. And there are full days. So you have uh, basically two six hour days. They are nine to 12 central and then a one hour lunch break and one to 4 p.m. central. So uh, you have to get a little, up, a little early if you're on California side of the world like me. I had to get pretty <laughs> early to teach the class, but uh, it should work best for all time zones. So tickets are available and there's a podcast code for the coupon 
you can use podcast 10 to get 10 percent off and then uh if you if you actually went to itb into the box online you should have a coupon for 15 percent off uh contact us if you didn't have that and well the cool thing is too is luis is actually upgrading this cold box zero to hero api edition from cold box five to cold box six so he's uh he's tweeting or actually chatting in the live chat with us he might even be adding some more asynchronous goodness into it from cold box six so nice so it's going to be as up to date of a training as you can get yep exactly so um, pretty <clears throat> neat uh, i know a lot of people that i taught in the workshop i just did and the previous workshop at the in june are actually signing up for this one as well so it should be a, a good group there and uh, they're really trying to step up their game so uh let us know if you guys are wanting to do another call box zero to hero we're on demand we're going to basically try and schedule those and we're going to try and get some of those other workshops scheduled here soon so tell us what you want and we'll get those taken care of for you okay Sweet. so next uh we actually have a, a new conference uh, that might be interested for some people alexa live uh, 2020 and so this is basically a, uh, a free online, and that's going to be Wednesday, July 22nd from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific. So it's just a short little, uh, you know, free developer community event. So if you guys are wanting to, to find out a little more about Alexa or see what's going on, what people are doing with it and everything, it'd uh, be a good little online um, community event. So... It's pretty cool. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, Alexa stuff. I like playing with it, and I've done a little bit of for work-related stuff. But uh, it's definitely definitely fun to play with. Um, and there's quite a few people have done some sessions on it. So there's videos online you can find as well. But yeah, so check that out if you guys are interested in playing with uh, Alexa Live. You know, we had to rename our Alexa to Echo because I have a daughter named Alexis, and every time we'd be like, Alexis, load the dishwasher. You know, our, our echo would it be like, I don't understand that. We're like, not you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I, I I still we got my in-laws living with us now, and so we always joke that you know Alexa can't understand them or whatever. So we're gonna order because oh, their accent. Well, no, no, my in-laws they're they're American. Yeah, they do talk oh. funny, but different type of funny. Oh, no, well, I can't understand them then. Well, because they're old, right? Old. <laughs> I mean, they can't remember the name. Ageist, Gavin. It Jeez. is. And so there's a there's an Amazon <laughs> Silver Alexa that they release a, at least a funny video. <laughs> it's like Centrum Silver. And so. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, it makes like, fun of them because help! You know, I've fallen and I can't get up. It'll, it'll, it has certain features like it'll answer to any name you call it and you know stuff like that. So, I think I think I saw that video. It was like a joke video, right? It's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I showed the, the the in-laws and I've showed it to them over and over again because they've probably forgotten since the last time. So anyway. <laughs> um, so Good a reminder too that the Adobe Cold Fusion certification is now online now too. So previously you had to do that at one of the CF summits, but since mm -hmm. they've been going online, um, so is the training. So I think they said there's about 40 or 50 hours of online videos. Um, and wow. So a lot of great content. Um, and me and you actually helped Nolan when he was teaching that at CF summit. Yeah. Some pretty good information in there. Like a couple of things I didn't know. <laughs> You know adobe specific things and uh, a couple of features that just you know you clear it up so even though we use it all the time it's kind of interesting that i think you can always learn something from these classes oh yeah there's always something to learn little tips and tricks and stuff yeah i'm glad to see that adobe uh made an online version of this because 
they were, you know, it was like you said, it was only kind of in person, but now with the conferences have all gone online, uh, there was no way to do it. So yeah, it's, it's also just good to see an active certification program again. It's been a little, a lull for a few years for people looking to get certified. Yeah, not certifiable. Okay, so uh, with that being said, obviously the Adobe Cold Fusion Summit 2020 uh, is replacing the CF Summit West, so we're actually doing the online event. Uh, I emailed uh, out to Alicia uh, yesterday, so I know I'm a little slow on that, but just asking her for more information on it. Um, there are information on it from last year's um, speakers and sessions, so uh, just don't be don't get confused. That isn't this year's um, lineup or anything. So uh, as a previous speaker, I'm ex expecting an email from them at some point to see who's going to be, you know, willing to, to do that online again. So right now it's uh, bookmarked for sometime in November. That's all the information we have on it. Um, <laughs> but hopefully Adobe will be announcing more of that very soon. It is free, though, so that's at least a positive. You don't have yeah. to travel or get hotels. So um, definitely in most <clears throat> people's price range. So hopefully we'll get a few more attendees online. It would be nice if Adobe took all the money they normally, you know, sink into CF Summit West, because I know it's not cheap to put a conference on in Vegas, and they turned all that money into, like, door prizes for the online conference. Just think of what they could give away, you know? Yeah, a that... new car! <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. But something says no. Looks like they may even have uh, some sponsorship opportunities in those online. So if you have a ColdFusion-based company and you want to sponsor the online version it says to reach out to keyshore at adobe.com yeah and i'm not yeah. sure if that is yeah so, it appears anyway. to it appears to apply to a new online version because the faq section has a covid 19 response which mm. i think those are always just silly um and then will there be a charge for the online event so the faq section does appear to be updated for the online event Cool. Well, maybe yeah. you know, what are they doing in response options. to COVID? Um, they made the conference online. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Yep. So very cool. Well, I'll email Keyshore as well, since his name is all over this FAQ, uh, and maybe I'll get um, information before yeah. you do. Every every line of the FAQ is basically contact Keyshore, contact Keyshore, contact Keyshore. <laughs> yep. He is the marketing manager, so it makes sense. Yep, for sure. It's his baby. Okay, CF Camp, we're still waiting, and with the the way the world is looking, we're not sure what's going to happen there either. I think we know the answer to that one. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe they'll they'll think about doing an online version or something too. It could be useful, you know, nice to see a different set of speakers too. You know, uh, otherwise we might have to step up and do something. Maybe have a CF Cast week or something where we do some live stuff there for subscription holders or something interesting can we do live streams via cf cast is that possible i'm sure we could figure out some way to do it so <laughs> yeah so that's the conferences at the moment um a lot of other random conferences here and there uh, if you see any that you'd uh, like us to talk about and mention please <clears throat> let us know with that being said let's jump into the blogs tweets and videos of the week here so that first blog post is obviously the Adobe's uh, Cold Fusion release, which has happened early this morning. So hot off the press there. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit, so we can skip past that. But um, definitely want to do that. Now, we also got a tweet from uh, Julian Halliwell about a Lucy MariaDB extension fix. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't even know... There's a specific uh, extension for MariaDB, but I guess we use MySQL most of the time or MS SQL. But um, so he's made some changes there for OSGI issues. 
Um, and so now the latest version of the driver is available in your admin there. So. I don't think there's a separate extension. If you go to the Lucy download page, which lists all the official extensions, there's just the MySQL extension that says JWC Type 4 driver for the MySQL and MariaDB databases. Well, so it appears to reuse the same extension. Well, this might Unless, be a, a separate one that he's created. There. Oh, that appears to be a custom one. You're right. That's not the Lucy repo. That's CF Simplicity. Yeah. Interesting. Julian Halliwell. So, so I'm curious what his does that the uh, the the sort of official MySQL one doesn't do. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm like you. I don't think I realized that he had an actual dedicated one. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, it does do a different um, query result. It changes the key from generated key uh, and not generated underscore key. So you may need to, um, it does different variables. So that might throw you off. Interesting. Just, Was that the whole reason he created it? Just to have different variable names? I don't know. I just noticed that that is one thing in his migration guide. Huh. So I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe it's easy to use this. from Bruce Kirkpatrick. Yep. Anyway, so... Uh, you know what we need to find out? Is this baby on Forgebox? Yes, it is. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Yep, sure is. I did check that. That's what I'm talking about. Yep, so thanks, Julian, for updating that. And uh, yeah, we hopefully get a few more people using it now they know about it. And Yeah, I used MariaDB for a while, and there was a couple of issues when it, when it first came out that I just couldn't use it. Uh, there was some sitting in... in the drivers just didn't handle, but I've been willing to, uh, wanting to see the difference for a while, you know, because we like supporting non-Oracle places sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Okay, so next up we have a, a blog post from Brian Class beyond the basics of using AWS S3 and CFML. And this one he's talking about file versioning in S3 buckets. And so another great post in the series. He's got quite a few lined up here for S3. Um, but basically, when editing files of any kind, you know, modern applications expect to have access to previous versions. And so adding a versioning system isn't easy, um, but S3 kind of makes it a little easier for you. So, so S3 has something built in for this then? Is that what this is? Yeah, covering? you can turn on file versioning in, um, well, that's basically cool. in the buckets and you can say how many you want. Um, and basically it says it comes as no additional cost except for the copies of the files you store. So, um, you obviously pay for this story, uh, the site, but you can also do life cycles so you can keep the copies for so long. So maybe after six months, you get rid of the older versions or stuff like that. But, right. um, yeah, so yeah, you can base the API lets you list the versions for a yep. given file. Yep. And then you can get the file at a specific version. So, yeah. And so kind of cool. Yeah, you just have to keep in mind if you're storing large files and let's say you're like, oh, let's store 10 versions and, you know, all your files change often, you basically would have, you know, 10 times the amount of storage. Um, yeah. And so he's giving a warning about cost increases, though, mm -hmm. um, because if you have versioning on a file, you can delete it, but it actually isn't deleted. So you can actually undelete it later. Um, it's like the recycling bin in Windows. Yeah. Why is my hard drive still full? I put everything in the recycling bin. Yeah. So, you know, it starts to add up. So you may want to delete files other than, you know, a certain maximum or, or whatnot. So you see, there's no way to limit the number of versions kept or to set that maximum. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you probably should use a lifestyle rule. Like I said, the lifecycle rules are pretty neat. We talked about that in a previous post, but. Uh, even offers you to message on Twitter about it. So we should uh, we should check and see if our S3 wrapper covers that API because I doubt it does. Good point. Because we have a S3 SDK that we use a lot of our apps, but I, I bet we don't have uh, support in there for these version things. 
because his example is just showing, you know, direct access to the Java SDK. So, mm -hmm. okay. Next up, we have one from Benedel testing the WK HTML to PDF with Docker and Lucy. So, uh, as you mentioned a few a few months ago, James Moberg gave a whole bunch of command line utilities he uses because we he kept popping up and offering all these different options. So he wrote us a nice blog post about a whole bunch of the ones he uses, and so he decided to play with this uh, the PDF generation since he's been doing that with um, you know for Envision. So the interesting part was I liked about this too is he actually went through his Docker container playground setup. Uh, and so he actually went through and, and, you know, gives his Docker file too. And there was a couple of things that I hadn't seen before, like this Debian front end non-interactive as an environment variable. Um, and, you know, just a couple of little things in here, which are good, but, um, but yeah, he went through and started playing with it. And so he has Docker compose set up for it and everything, but yeah, he got to start playing with it. And there's actually some pretty neat things in here. He has a little, um, you know, a lot of code, but at the bottom, I think he has a little graphic that shows you some of the effects that it generates and so there's this little animated gif that shows you all the different pieces and you know so basically you know sections different um, different fonts and everything and if you go to section four he has you know absolutely positioned images which is pretty neat and then in five background images so uh, basically nice. the the big plus on this is that uh, it supports a lot more um a lot more than CF document tag. So, um, you know, additional style sheets and, and JavaScript type stuff or an HTML that it'll handle. So if your stuff isn't working uh, with a basic CF document that's basically got flying source underneath it, um, you know, this might be an option for you. And one thing he says is we never clip images like with an overflow hidden, uh, wasn't possible before. So kind of neat. Nice. Yeah. I, my my PDF stuff hasn't got too tricky lately. Pretty standard reports and, and everything, but it's nice to know there's a bunch of tools out there for more advanced because I know when I had to do certificates for things, that printing those out, making them look right, just like the certificates they had to have, that was kind of a pain. So I bet these would make life a lot easier, especially when <coughs> you have to print it on top of an existing format. That was always fun. Yeah. So. PDFs are always bit of a pain <laughs> yep so next we also had a live stream from matthew clemente so this one uh you should be happy to know he's back from node brad <laughs> yeah back from the brink yeah the darkness so in this one here he was working on a cfl module on forgebox um for weighted round robin and so as usual his he is learning by trial and error he likes to play and figure things out so he was messing with um you know creating a, a module to commit to forgebox and figuring how to run <laughs> test box inside of it as well and you know but he he did take the the idea of this module and some of the code from npm and then converting it to cfml so i, I think you you're accepting of those types of uses right <laughs> yeah i had uh, i had skimmed through a little thing he'd written up on it but i wasn't actually sure what he was doing with the weighted round robin or if it was just a super generic framework where you just you would have it you know call a function to do whatever you wanted yeah i mean basically you know he, he figured out that if you did some normal weighting where you had you know something is a 90 percent weight and something's 10 percent weight if you wanted to like randomly show that um with a round robin 
it would probably show the same person like six or seven times before you got to the second person. So in this system, it not only does the round robin, so it switches them up, it'll get a person. And then if you've got the person with 90% weight, you're going to get the other person next. Like it'll make sure that you get through all of them before it started repeating uh, and basing on the weight. So it's more likely to have some of a higher weight first, but it still does get through the list. So yeah. And he said the, the math was kind of crazy. That's why you use the, the MPM one as a basis. So you wouldn't have to think about that part too much. (laughs) See, I've done some stuff like that before, but I didn't bother trying to, you know, force everyone to at least show up once or whatever. I just said, as long as you have enough, you know, samples, it'll, the weight will eventually, you know, end up right in the end. Even if, you know, the first six or the 90% weighted one, like just give it time and the percentages will all match. Um, So that's interesting that he tried to, include all of them up front i suppose however you'd word that yeah um obviously he talks through it uh i watched the majority of it and then afterwards he wasn't able to finish it so he came back and that's what the the blog post i think he mentioned was follow-up for that so Hmm. but again i like seeing the live streams and it's good because you know it's not a polished thing you know he basically clicks around and you know it sort of talks talks it out like okay i want to do this i'm wondering if i could do this and he tries it and i like learning from that you know the trial and error is is good for everybody um i like seeing inside of other smart people's heads that's where i learned too so so very cool and then we had a a blog post from nerd vision and nerd vision uh, so they've done some work recently they did some hard work on with their team and now they officially support cold fusion and lucy so if you're not familiar, Nerd, Version, Nerd Vision is made by the same company that makes fusion reactors. So Integral is the actual company name. So fusion reactor is, is the existing server monitor tool you're probably already familiar with. So Nerd Vision is just another one of their products. Yep. And so they, they even put a thing here saying, that why are we, you know, why are we supporting CFML? Because they grew up with it and they've been doing it since 96. But yeah, so they said a lot of things have changed. And so, yeah, that's pretty interesting. And yeah, I like the fact that there's a, a lot more information and I, I want to find out more about this, the nerd vision thing. So, yeah, I've played with it a little bit, but only on Adobe Cold Fusion so far. I need to find some time to mess with it on Lucy. Um, it's basically sort of like, I, I don't want to like pigeonhole it. I'm sure it does some more things, but from what I've touched on so far, it's kind of like the production debugger feature of fusion reactor which is a really powerful sort of web-based debugger as opposed to an ide plugin um but it's sort of just that extracted out in its own kind of standalone product and what's nice about nerd vision is it has that free tier so if you just want to play with it um you know with yourself and with some limitations on it you can do that for free and then you can upgrade it to you know use it with more developers and get more features out of it but you know you can you can put breakpoints in your code you can run your app you can you know stop the threads you can introspect the variables and things um, but instead of being like a locally running server that you open up on port like 8088 or whatever, like Fusion Reactor, it's all via sort of a cloud-based web interface that communicates back and forth with your local server. Um, yeah. I'll also note there were, oh, bless their hearts, they have a space in Cold Fusion. I guess yeah. it only supports Cold Fusion 3. That's a shame they don't support modern versions, huh? Depends on where you read it. But. <laughs> this is David Thacker's post. I'll, I'll harass him on Slack right now. Um, but anyway, the, um, oh, I noticed in some messages, they said that they would support command box soon. And I was a little confused by that at first, because you can already use it with command box. You just have to add the JVM arg in your server.json. That's exactly how I've tested it. Um, But apparently in what I'd um, gotten from David Thacker on a a 
private message on Slack. I, apparently, it looks like they're looking to build a command box module, much like what I did for the Fusion Reactor module, but oh. it just automatically includes the JVM mark for you for Nerd Vision instead. So that's what apparently what they mean if you see any notes about supporting command box. But if you're thinking I use command box, does that mean I can't use nerd vision? Yeah, you can absolutely use it. It's just up to you to put the JVMR yourself in your server.json right now. That's the oh, thing. That's hard work. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> but it also supports Java, Node, Python, and CFML. So um, it's got a good yeah, collection already and they're adding more. Yeah, this is one thing that's kind of interesting about Nerd Vision is Fusion Reactor really focused on the JVM, and of course, ColdFusion's on the JVM. But this is really something they're trying to market to a swath of languages. And I think, you know, a lot of companies might find themselves using Node for some other things, using ColdFusion or maybe Spring Boot for some other things. And this gives them kind of a consolidated, you know, platform that can help them debug um, across all those languages. So it's, it's a, a very cool kind of business concept, I think from the integral guys. Cool, cool. So here, next up, we have a, a blog post from Ben Nadell. And this is an interesting one. I'll put a security warning in the front of it, apart from Dan Wilson being in the picture. Um, evaluating database records that contain ColdFusion interop interpolation expressions in Adobe ColdFusion 2018. So this one, he was basically trying to figure out if you could store something in the database like hello name and pounds, and then run it when you pull it out of the, you know, at the pull it out and run it at the request at runtime, and then use it in some part of the dynamic evaluation. So, you know, first things first, running anything like that out of your database that users can put in there is a big security risk, right? So just, just, just you know, and he puts it at the bottom, but I'm putting it at the front just in case. But um, you know, so he talked about using the evaluate function. Um, you know, and then also talked about the DE, which is delayed evaluation. And so he walks through this process and, you know, loops through a bunch of messages with different prefixes for, for different things, looping through them and, and whatnot. So you can see in here, you have all the, all the, you know, all the things working. So with that code, he's using evaluate and a lot of people will freak out on evaluate, but and just showing that it's possible. Um, we use the same type of thing um, in uh, like CB mail services, but we use tokens. So we'll use things like uh, at symbols or whatnot. So not specifically, um, you know, pound signs, but we can still dynamically evaluate it. Um, but usually we sort of do it in a controlled way. So it's interesting, but yeah, but he was just playing with an idea as usual, Ben has thought experiments, pretty, pretty interesting. But he did mention the, you know, very dangerous <laughs> if you're letting database um, content from users get. Yeah, that was kind of my first thought when I saw that headline. We've 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 worked on some client code together actually that had sort of custom built CMSs with cold fusion expressions that were interpolated right out of a database field. And it's not not something I care for. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I what, like the idea of more tokens box, and stuff. Well, yeah, what Content Box does is you can't just put like straight ColdFusion code, which could, you know, easily contain something malicious. But we have special placeholders where you can insert, you know, a Content Box setting, but we have like little curly brace placeholders that are just fine and replaced. And that has a much narrower scope of functionality as opposed to just, you know, throwing it at the ColdFusion interpreter and being like, execute this. Yeah. So you're yeah. definitely going to be careful with that stuff. Yeah, we also use um, one of the little template libraries too inside of you know content box as well. 
because uh, mm-hmm. obviously you can render your own views how you want. I think we're using Pebble, I believe. It's hard to remember them all, but pretty interesting. So we also have a blog post from Matt Gifford. Where's he been? He was on a rampage last year with <laughs> blog posts everywhere, and then he went silent. Must have been a good batch of gin or something. So, <laughs> but uh, he's been uh, busy working hard and with Azure pipelines, and so. He reached out on Twitter last week asking for some help because he wanted to yeah, get the command box up and running on Azure. And uh, he had some luck because um, Pete Freitag says, I got a guide for that. And so his uh, GitHub Foundio Fixinator, um, he has a guide here. It's basically he can show you how to get up and running on um, on pipelines. And so that shows you how to work with uh, you know command box and everything. And so it curls down, unzips the command box and, and all that. So... Matt walked through his process and, you know, shares his uh, scripts too. So you can see the different steps that he's going through to build it. Uh, actually, I hadn't done much with Azure, so it's kind of nice to see their layout and their, you know, how that works. And so he walked through the whole process and it's kind of neat. So if you guys are thinking about Azure, and I think someone actually tweeted about their, their company just bought into Azure. So we'll be mentioning their tweet later. So they might need to go read their blog post too. So pretty cool yeah all these different pipelines it's hard to keep up with them all but nice to see the common things went out right they're mainly docker based and they can all load up command box and once you're there we know we're now elements so we can do everything we need yep it's great to see guys for each of these um each of these platforms the next one on my list to play with is uh github actions which i know some people out there have already played with it's yeah. just it's on the list of things it's like when i actually have free time <laughs> yeah. i will play with this kind of thing well, that's part of the reason I want to do a CF uh, cast, you know, pipelines thing where I do the same sort of tasks on each of the different platforms. So do Bitbucket and GitLab and Azure and, you know, sort of build out all the different pipelines and do GitHub actions and be a good excuse to play with the ones I don't use as much as others, you know. So I think that'd be a, a fun one to, to do because, yeah, I'd like to do more GitHub actions too. But I use all the rest, so I guess I can't be too too crazy. <laughs> So next, we actually have um, someone who's looking for a job, but it's a throwback uh, in a tweet form. So remember this one, Brad? Cold Fusion lives. Um, yeah, I had that shirt. Yep. So they, that, wasn't that one of the shirts we got at... Uh... CF United, I think. Oh. So I never went to CF United, but I used to get a lot of shirts from my Cold Fusion meetups, like in okay. Kansas City. So yep. I would I would get shirts from there as well. Yep. So Christine, uh, you know, just showing off her 20-year-old tee. Um, well, not quite 20 years old, but I guess she's been doing Call of Duty for 20 years. So anyway, she's got a GitHub link there um, to go check out her resume and stuff. If you're looking for a remote worker, she might be the one for you. At least she's got cool tastes and T-shirts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty cool. I didn't get that one. I never went to CF United. So I'm not one of the true old, old schools. I, I didn't work at a place that would pay for me to go to conferences back then. <laughs> that was my problem. Yep. Okay. Well, next up, we actually have another tweet. And this one is from uh, Mr. Closure or <laughs> Webman D-Man. So Closure right here. Um, but basically, he's a, said he's on his way there, especially since the company is subscribing to everything Azure. So it's up to him to figure out uh, how to move away from the monolith server so in parallel he sees he needs to catch up with command box servers fuse guard fixinator test box cold box six modernize or die right so uh, or I'm sure die 
Well, hopefully you don't die. Um, you'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of a lot of good content, and yeah, um, be interesting. See if you can maybe share some of that content too. Share your process. Uh, be nice to see that stuff working on Azure as well. So pretty cool. Next up on the list, we have um, a blog, and this one is actually from Visual Studio itself. There's a little tutorial. So if you want to do remote development of containers, and I know we've mentioned this a couple of times. They have this little tutorial here. Um, so basically using Visual Studio Code, using you know Docker, you start the Docker image and then you basically check the Docker and then check your installation and then connect into that container. And then from there, you can actually start running, uh, running your remote development inside of it. So you can choose what remote development you want to use. They have all these different packages. Um, Obviously, ColdFusion is probably not on the list, but anyway, um, there's a lot of different things in here. And the cool thing is, once the container is built, then you can set everything up in there, and you're actually your development you're developing inside a Node container. So it's uh, it's a pretty cool. So um, it's sort of a walkthrough tutorial if you want to check it out and see how it works. But uh, this is sort of the way a lot of people are leaning for development. That way you don't have to set up your machine to be a development machine. You basically have a Docker image. So if you stop working on this language or whatever, you just throw away the Docker image and you're done. Um, and you don't have to worry about uninstalling all the extensions or plugins or anything like that because it's all based in where you're developing inside the container. So This looks cool, but I'll be honest, I don't ever want to have to do this. <laughs> I already don't even like using local containers over just the pure ease and simplicity of a command box server. It sounds even worse to try to use a container that's like across the country in a data center somewhere when you need to troubleshoot the file system. But if you had to do it, this does seem like it would be way better than SSH and then using nano. Yeah, well, I like <laughs> the whole idea of the, the GitHub's, is it code spaces? That basically does that for you. It yeah, spins it up yeah. and you can use VS Code in the browser to connect to their Docker container for a project. So, I mean, I'm hoping that that's something usable and user-friendly and price-friendly so we can maybe do that with like Coldbox and stuff. So if someone wants to work on our Coldbox, they'll instantly get all the extensions we need and everything so they don't, you know, we can get our code formatting and our style guides all built in. Yeah, yes, so we need to figure out how to get out-of-the-box support for stuff like this for ColdFusion because, I mean, Look at the list on this particular VS Code thing, C++, Go, Java, .NET Core, Node, PHP, Python. These appear to all be like just built in, ready to go. Hey, you're a PHP developer. Boom, it's already set up for you. CFML needs to be in that list where everything's all ready to go. You click it. We have all the extensions and stuff already set up. And to do that, we need people like you to harass the heck out of people like Visual Studio for VS Code and be like, hey, where's ColdFusion support? How can we help do this? Yeah, for sure. ColdFusion never gets any love for this kind of stuff. Yep, just a, a note from the chat. I see Pete Freitag said, check out the Into the Box presentation because it covers, uh, mostly covers GitHub Actions. And I, I did see that presentation. That was good, Pete. Um, yeah, so definitely a, a good resource if you are going to do GitHub Actions. Pete's presentation from ITB, available on CFCAS. <laughs> okay, so next on our list, um, let's talk about find a job. So our getcfmljobs.com site that we uh, usually use to reference all our jobs is now has over 48 um, cold fusion positions from 36 companies <clears throat> across 23 locations in five countries. Uh, they posted one new job this week, which was a full-time senior cold fusion developer 
remote position in USA. Uh, and it's going to be, it was posted July 12th. And so we can get some more information on that job, but also mediumplay.com remote. Okay. They're looking for an outstanding cold fusion developer. If you're not outstanding, you need not apply. Yep. But it's a pretty good, uh, little job description Ur there. They are urgently hiring. Hey, beggars can't be choosers. People <laughs> <laughs> do you want an outstanding one? Or do you just want one? Yep. Let's see, see if they can, list anything here. And the job listing from Indeed has a little more details on it. Cold Fusion, JavaScript, SQL, HTML. Required. Ooh, cold box. I'm liking these people already. Required mm -hmm. CF script, cold box, and stored procs. Very all cool. right. All right. You need to be a little outstanding, somewhat outstanding. They also use uh, the phrase software, software development lifecycle. And that's like extra like marketing bling bonus words because everybody says that doesn't mean anything but everybody uses it yeah the sdlc unit testing hey i'm, I'm liking this right. object oriented coding this is good uh-oh Luis, better watch out brad looks interested oh, i'm <laughs> not that i'm not planning on applying i'm just saying <laughs> that if you're looking for a place that's not like manage our 75 year old legacy code base that everyone hates you know those are the kind of places nobody wants to apply for <laughs> yeah Cool. On Twitter, we also had another job position that we found. So there's also a contract for a cold fusion developer for LA consultants in Austin, Texas. So that one, uh, was posted via Twitter and the link is in there. So if you like, they're been in 27 years of being a premier provider of technical and business professionals to clients in Texas. They're looking for experienced cold fusion developer to be a key resource on a technical services team. So contract. Yeah, so it's a contract position. Quite a lot of skills listed in here too. They do some Oracle. Oh, they're using Cold Space Fusion as well. I guess they they're allowed to use NerdVision. They had the version of Cold Fusion with the space in it. They must include Cold Fusion uh, Fusebox Five or newer methodology. <laughs> uh, that's not Coldbox, folks. Also Oracle. So choose wisely. Yep. Do but you I mean, want to work with Fusebox and Oracle? If you don't have a job, maybe it'll do. Yep. So Express. a couple of jobs there. So still jobs available guys. Yeah. Uh, if you need something, have a look there and uh, they seem to be um, using it pretty, pretty commonly. You know, there's quite a few jobs listing uh, out there on get CFML jobs. So definitely check those out. Interesting. This job requires knowledge of internet security exposures and how to code to prevent the application from being hacked or hijacked. I mean, honestly, that should just be on every, application i mean everybody should know that but it's good to, they mentioned that twice knowledge of internet security i think they copied and pasted it twice Possibly. but hey I, i'm glad to see that they're asking hey do you know how to code secure code because that should that should be something that interviewers uh ask when you're interviewing someone at least in my opinion as yeah. a person who likes security i'm sure pete would agree isn't that right pete <laughs> Okay, so next up we have our Forgebox module of the week. And this week we're going to talk about the Lucy spreadsheet. This is not actually an extension. Uh, and even though it's called it Lucy spreadsheet, <laughs> it's a spreadsheet library for Lucy and Adobe Cold Fusion. So mm -hmm. now there is a CF spreadsheet 
extension for Lucy, which has the equivalent sort of functionality of the Adobe Confusion CF spreadsheet. But like Gavin just said, this is just a library that you create and call CFCs that does the same basic type of things, but it's not like a drop-in replacement for the CF spreadsheet tag. It's more yeah. of a So a that's one of the API. downsides they said for using this library versus an extension. The existing code needs adapting to invoke the library. Existing CFML spreadsheet functions and the CF spreadsheet tag won't work with this. But it does give you a lot of good pros and a lot of benefits here. Yeah, so, I've always heard this has a lot of features um, that yeah. makes it worth using. Yeah, and I'll, I'll scroll down in a minute so you can see even more. But, you know, it fixes a lot of outstanding bugs and missions. No dependency on Lucy within the JAR files. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of good things here. But completely written in script, which is a good thing. And if you scroll down, you'll see that there's a lot of functions here that support ColdFusion functions. So there's a lot of functions here. And then extra functions not available in ColdFusion. So this is the extra things that you might want to use that ColdFusion nice. doesn't allow you. And there's some convenience methods as well. CSV to query, binary from query, you know, there's quite a few different things. Um, and so uh, they go into some detail too. This is a really long, you know, pretty, pretty detailed. And it it's is written all in CFML too. Yep. Uh, it does use uh, Java loaded to load the POI Java libraries, and those are pretty handy. I've used the POI ones before. So, yeah, me too. So, yeah. So, um, it, that was based off Ben Adele's work from the POI utility for a long time ago, and Java loaded, which is obviously Mark Mandel's. So, uh, pretty cool spreadsheet functionality. Um, it's kind of nice that you can have something, you know, cross platform too, because a lot of times, you know, Lucy's version versus Adobe's version, they're a little different. Um, but it sounds like he's got a lot of extra things in there too. So pretty neat. So very cool. And uh, Scott said that streaming XL XLSX looks pretty cool too. It does sound pretty fun. Mingo asked in the in the chat, doesn't CF Spreadsheet use POI? And I believe the answer is yes. Yeah, it's just set up as an extension, so, so it's easier. Probably, I think this is just more direct access to the POI and its its API as opposed to the sort of abstraction of CF Spreadsheet. Yeah, CF Spreadsheet probably just focuses on making sure that those CF Spreadsheet tags or functionality is maintained. So if you upgrade from one to the other, um, you know, from Adobe over, that those would work. But, but yeah. It's definitely an option. Uh, if you need some more power, maybe you can tap into this one here. So, see, I've I've had to use POI in the past um, because I had versions of ColdFusions that clients were using, and they were using an older version of POI internally, um, and I couldn't just update the jars because you know the CF spreadsheet tag in that version of ColdFusion, I think it was CF eleven, you know, was only worked at that version of POI, and so I was dependent upon Adobe to someday hopefully maybe update the POI stuff. So I, you know drop them my own jars and just call them directly. So this would be the equivalent of doing that, but a sort of a better CFML API wrapped around it. Yeah, I remember using it in even CF9, the POI stuff to get some advanced features that I don't even think were in, in there at that point. So yep. yeah. And yeah, Mingo Hagen said that he went to the POI directly because of access and to work around CF bugs. So yep, it's definitely uh, the POI. And they're done that. Yep, definitely good. So Thanks again for uh, uploading that to Forgebox so the whole community can share it. Much appreciated. Forgebox, Forgebox. Okay, next up, a <laughs> VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. And this one may look like something we've already done. Uh, it's called Bracket Pair Colorizer 2. 
And so um, Luis recommended this one. I'm like, I got version one. What's the difference? And so the big difference is, drum roll, please. V2 uses the same bracket passing engine as VS Code now. So it's greatly increasing speed and accuracy. And so they did also change a few settings and they cleaned them up and everything. So there's some backwards compatibility. Um, So that's why they made a version two. The cool thing is though, uh, and the settings are below, but there's a lot of things that I don't even think were in version one. So like now you have options for the force unique opening color. So the opening color can be unique every time and you can do, um, basically they can rotate through or they can always be the same. And you've got the option for the color cycle. So does it cycle through each time you get a new bracket? And it, you can also change the colored mode. So if it's um, for different types. So sometimes the opening can be based on type or you can just say any bracket can be colorized. Um, you can also do um, things in the side, in the gutter. I didn't know you could do this. And now the show brackets and gutter will actually show in the gutter where they start and end oh interesting so i was like so if you have like a giant callback you can kind of track the start and end of it yep and then they have the vertical line option too so you can see vertically inside the app where it Mm. is yep and there's even here where you got the horizontal lines you can see the indentation so lots of cool things i don't know if it was in version one i just didn't know about it or not but there's a lot of pretty neat things in this one so uh, again, cool. without it, your life is really tough. Uh, I kind of like the multiple colors. So Command Box actually has a, a very basic implementation of the same thing that I wrote um, that works with single quotes, double quotes, curly braces, square braces, and parentheses. Um, I wrote it for the REPL, but it works in the, the main shell as well. So if you're in the Command Box REPL and you have you know several nested sets of parentheses, all it does is if your cursor is to the right of one of those characters, it highlights it in red as well as highlighting the starting, you know, bracket or parenthesis that goes with it. Um, but this is kind of cool where they actually like show the nesting with colors. I'm, yeah. I'm like thinking now, I wonder how hard it would be for me to make command box actually color code each of them with colors. Yeah, I thought it was neat too, how you can like say choose the different options for different brackets and do different starting colors. And yeah, lots of pretty cool uh features in it so i I really like that one so i'm gonna have to upgrade from version one to version two now but uh yeah like when we're doing the training last week you know i gave people a few of the extensions because every time we're trying to look at their code you know i'm like uh it's really hard to see without all of my fancy extensions that highlight the code and do this and do that so you know we updated them and gave them a whole bunch of cool little extensions to work with so um but yeah that's definitely a fun one so so it's semi-repeat. We try not to repeat uh, extensions here, but uh, I think it's worth the uh, update, especially with the speed. So big files, you know, you don't want it to be churning and taking forever. So mm-hmm. Okay. So next up, let's talk about our Patreon supporters. So again, thank you to Jeff McCain, our newest supporter. He just signed up this week. So uh, much appreciated. And uh, thanks again for all of you uh, Patreon supporters. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash order solutions, you can find a package that you can sign up for and be a, a paid member and supporter. So <laughs> we thank you for all your support there. And like I said, half of the cost of running this podcast is paid from Patreon supporters. So we want to thank each and every one of you uh, for making this this happen. Uh, it's fun, but also really good for the community. So so let's go through, and uh, I think it's my turn. So I will go, go for and it. them all. So thank you, Ben Adele, Brett DeLine, Carl Von Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dali, Dan Card, 
Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Tadias Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeff McCain, Jeremy Adams, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamry, Kai Koenig, Laxma Terahadi, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ryan Hughes, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Stephen Klotz, Symmetrix, and Yogesh Mathera. So thank you, all of you. Uh, the funds yep. go directly into supporting this podcast, and it's good to see a lot of you are in the chat talking and uh, harassing us. We, we appreciate Getting it. Getting your money's worth. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so uh, You're only allowed to harass us in the chat if you're a Patreon supporter, little-known fact. So yep. you, know, you, you pay for that right. <laughs> yeah, so no, it's, it's good to see that, and uh, yeah, we want to thank you. And, you know, we also want to thank everyone else who commits to, to order solutions through, you know, filing issues or pull requests or documentation updates. It all does help, but uh, um, yeah, for, for funding the podcast, the Patreon supporters are, are doing their fair share. So we hope we can keep pushing those numbers up and, uh, and then get that fully funded. So we'd like to be able to, to do a little more, but thanks everybody for listening to another show and i'm surprised we're barely on the hour so we didn't talk that long after all brad what's wrong are you feeling okay uh couldn't get a word on edgewise yeah sorry i just talk too much sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so thanks everybody have a great week and uh we'll catch you next week all right have a good sayonara one. adios bye Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.